Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I shall rejoice and be oh so glad in it. Praise God. Praise God. I hope you're happy to be alive in the, the land of the living. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made, so we should rejoice and be glad in it, and we should be happy to be able to fellowship one with the other, even though it is virtually. Amen. Amen. Because God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. And it's good to know that. Because so many of us are, are, are feeling kind of tired these days. Uh, are you just feeling plain old tired and kind of fed up with, with the, the uh, events of the day, of, of the times? You know, we've got COVID-19, we've got the lockdowns, there's rioting going on in, all over the country in, in our neighborhoods and violence and crime is, is in the streets. You know, and uh, then we have the upcoming elections that many people are so concerned about, so many people worry about. People are wondering what will America look like after the elections and everything, you know. And the thing is, is that people, including us Christians, many times we find so much to be worried about, worrying about, and we really shouldn't be. Amen. We are children of God, and so we shouldn't have to be carrying those burdens around. Amen. Amen. Not only has peace in our communities gone by the wayside, but so many, so many, so many simply don't have peace in their lives, don't have peace in their hearts. So the question is, how do we how do we find peace? How do we, we find rest? How do we find a deep rest that can bring peace to our very souls every single day of the year? You know, and it's all about rest. It's all about rest. It's about God's rest. That's the most important thing. But how do we find God's rest for our very busy lives? Amen. That's what we're going to be discussing today. God's rest. Amen. So let's begin by understanding what rest means, understanding what it means. I touched on this a bit in the last sermonette that was done a few days ago, and uh, um, but it needs to be expanded upon so that we can all really understand and benefit from what God is meaning when he says, uh, when he says that we should be in his rest. So I want to expand on that a bit today. And so I pray that you will, will ask Holy Spirit to to really be with you. As a matter of fact, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh Lord God, I pray a special anointing over this message, O oh Lord. I pray for every single listener, every single hearer within the sound of my voice, O oh Lord God, that you will speak to them in your own special way. Minister to them, O oh Lord God. Let them know that you are Lord God Jehovah and that nothing, absolutely nothing, is too hard for you to do. So Heavenly Father, I give this time and this space entirely over to you. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. So we want to talk about God's rest and how important it is for us as his, as his children. Amen. And uh, we should really come to understand that it is actually God's will for you to be at God's rest. Okay. It's actually God's will for you to be at peace in your everyday day life. And did you realize that this will for you is something that God has spoken about throughout the Bible? you know, starting from the, from the very beginning, you know. So again, the question is, how can we enter into God's rest? And then simply, what is God's rest? What is God's rest, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, one, let me just pause for a moment by saying, you know, there's nothing like going to a physical church, obviously, where we are all together fellowshipping one with the other. The word of God says, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. 
But however, there is one neat thing about uh, online ministry like this, and that is you, the listener. You can pause the preacher. <laughs> Amen. You can pause the preacher. You can actually hit that pause button. And if you don't have your Bible with you, because, you know, these, these sermons are more beneficial to you if you're able to follow along with me. So you know that this is God's word, not my word, but God's word that we're, we're talking about here. So you can hit pause here and get your Bible, get a notepad, something to jot down some notes on, and then come on back and join us. Okay. So that's one advantage that we have with our, um, with, a, with a virtual sermon like this. But, but anyway, but getting back to, uh, getting back to God's rest. God's rest is um, is a state of being. It's a state of being or it's an environment where God actually rules and manages his creation free from the chaos and the disorder that is brought about by sin and, re and rebellion. Amen. All who rest, all who will rest from their own work or bringing their own lives under control can enter into God's rest. Okay. Now that's the challenging thing. We need to rest from our efforts to, to bring our lives around to the place that we want them to be. Amen. Amen. We have to cease from doing that. We have to cease from our own, our own work, if you will. Okay. And all who will resist doing their own thing can enter into God's rest. Now, the question is also, why did God rest on the seventh day? You know that, you know, you know that God rested on the seventh day after creation. Well, first of all, seven is God's uh, number of completion. All right, but according to scripture, we have to do everything by the word of God. The first chapter of Genesis records God's creative activity during the six days of creation. And then chapter two starts with, with a note about the seventh day. But let's start by, by going to Genesis two. We know in Genesis one, it talked about the creation. So now let's go to Genesis chapter two. Praise God. Praise the living God. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, and starting with verse number 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created and in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Amen. Amen. So we see here in verse number three, it says, God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God had created. This scripture represents God concluding his work in creation. It shows the finishing point of his creation. And it also shows that at this point, God was taking up management of, of the cosmos, management of the ordered cosmos that he had created. The cosmos is now in a very good state, according to the word of God. And then it says that God entered into his rest. However, we need to understand, saints of God, that God's rest was disturbed by the fall of man. God did all of this wonderful work, this creation. He stepped back on the seventh day and he rested. But then man wind up disturbing this wonderful creation, the rest that God had created. We see that in the second chapter of Genesis that God established a garden in Eden, okay, and he ordered paradise. Now, if we go to Genesis 2, verse uh, 7, amen, Genesis, Genesis 2, verse number 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, 
and there he put the man whom he had formed. Okay? So it says that he created this garden and he put it eastward, eastward in, uh, in Eden. This was the creation of the Garden of Eden, obviously. And within that garden, uh, God put a caretaker, Adam, to care for the garden. God himself is in the garden walking and he's talking with Adam. Now, how do we know that he was walking and talking with him? Well, if we jump down to verse number 15, and it says, uh, verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. To dress it and to keep it. To dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. And then you know the discussion that follows there. So here you see that in this perfect environment, this godly environment, God was communicating with man. He was talking back and forth with him. Okay? And it says that he was put there, he was put there to tend the garden. Okay? And this garden represents God's rest. And humanity at our beginning is at rest with God. Okay. Now, understand that rest is not necessarily relaxation. Okay. You think about rest as you may be kicking back with your feet up on an ottoman and you're just kind of just relaxing, doing nothing. Okay. God's rest is not necessarily relaxation. It says there that Adam had a job to do. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, while he was in this perfect environment, communicating with God, he wasn't just laying back all of the time doing nothing. God gave him an assignment to keep the garden, okay, and to dress it, okay? So we see here that rest is not total, total relaxation. Adam is in God's presence in the garden. God gives Adam a help meet, Eve, and all is ordered and all is at peace. This is a perfect environment. They are experiencing God's rest while they were in Eden. They are busy tending the garden. They're doing their thing, as God said, to tend the garden and to keep it. But they are at perfect peace and they are at rest because God is there with them and the environment is at peace. But, however, we get to the third chapter of Genesis and we see Adam and Eve rebelling against God and were cast out from the garden. Their rest was over. The rest was over. They were cast out. Their rest was over. Now their labor will be hard. And so now let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Amen. Genesis chapter 3. And I just want to jump down to uh, verse number 14. Okay. Verse number 14. Okay. We know how the serpent approached Eve, etc., etc. So I want to jump down to 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the rest of the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. I greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of your life, of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face, in the sweat of thy face, in the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. 
Okay, so the peace and the harmony that they had, they had with God in the, in the in their midst now, and all the orderliness of the garden. Okay, okay, all of that was was done away with. They were cast out, and now God's rest is now only a memory. Amen, amen. It says there that that uh, where is it? Verse nineteen. In the sweat of in the sweat of thy face uh, shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. Amen, amen. So now he has to toil. It says, it says in verse 18, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Amen. It talks about how a woman would, would, would bring forth a, a, a conception uh, in sorrow and in pain. You know, and I, I can't even begin to imagine what it would have been like for a woman to give birth uh, uh, back in, in the garden if, if, if sin hadn't come upon mankind, what it would have been like. But it, would have, it was a perfect existence. But now all of that was done away with. They were in God's rest. They had God's rest. But now they were cast out and they were going to have to, 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 to uh, experience the world with all of the hardships that the world brings with it. Okay. But the good thing is that our God, our magnificent heavenly father is an awesome God and he is the master, the master planner. God is always in charge and he's the master planner. As a matter of fact, as a side note, I submit to you today also that irregardless, irrespective of what all is going on today, God is in charge. Okay. Okay. Trust me. Don't, don't trust me. Trust what the word of God says. God is in charge. Amen. Amen. But he's the master planner. Okay. You see, so, so, so you see that, that starting with Genesis chapter 12 now. Okay. And you know what happened there? This is where God is talking to Abraham. We find God beginning the work of restoring humanity. After the fall, God is beginning to restore, restore humanity. And he calls Abraham to follow him. So let's go to Genesis 12. Okay, these are my favorite scriptures here because Genesis 12 was instrumental in bringing me from New York to Oregon, praise God. But that's a whole separate story, separate sermon. But um, anyway, Genesis uh, 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Okay. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee all shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, showing obedience. So Ab Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed unto Haran. Okay, so we see here where where God is now. He's going to work out His plan here. Okay, He had He had mankind, if you will, in the Garden of Eden. There, everything was going well. Satan entered in. Man gave in to what Satan um, um, had to say. What Satan offered him. So now God is from here. Now is going to work about bringing mankind back and also giving mankind the ability to get into that rest again. Okay. So later on, we know that he delivers Abraham's descendants from slavery in Egypt, as time moves on here, and calls them into a covenant relationship. It's called the Abrahamic uh, covenant. As part of the covenant, the Ten Commandments are given, okay, and including the Ten Commandments, included in the Ten Commandments is the Fourth Commandment, which says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, okay? As a matter of fact, let's go to uh, Exodus. Let's go to the book of Exodus Exodus 20. Exodus chapter 20. Hallelujah. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Exodus chapter 20 and we just want to go down to 
uh, verse number eight. Not going to read read all of it, but just getting down to verse number eight here. Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, underline that in your Bible if you don't already already have it underlined. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor any stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested, and rested, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Okay, now you know we know that the word hallowed means holy. Okay, so he blessed that day and he made it a holy day. So God's directive to to remember the seventh day, it was not, okay, it was not just an arbitrary uh, a whim or something, you know, that was or some some thought he had, had based on a whim. Rather, God, God gives us a, a very a specific reason to remember this day. He blessed it and he made it holy, okay? In Exodus 20, verse 11, it says, there for six days uh, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, now making it holy, this Sabbath day was being actually tied back to the creation. All right, it was being tied back to the creation. On the seventh day, what happened? God, God rested, God rested. Now he's telling us on that seventh day that we also should rest, okay? Specifically, the seventh day uh, when God rested from all of his work in, in creation was the culmination of all that he had done. That's why he said that, that he rested. Okay. Now, it, obviously, we know that God was not tired and sleepy and, and, and worn out from, from creation. God does not get tired or worn out. But this is signifying to us that, 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 that this was the cessation of his work. Okay. Okay. It, 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 his, his work had, had culminated. Okay, into what it was. And it, it, if you remember, after day one and day two and so, on, he, and so on, he said, and it was good. After each part of creation, he said, on death, at the end of day one, it was good. Day two, it was good. So now after this, the six days, he was complete. And they said, now I can cease from my labors. This is resting. We need to cease from our labors. Amen? We need to cease from our labors, Okay. Okay. At one level, the Sabbath day is a time to cease from our own work, our own work, and to resist. That means to cease doing things our way. You see, and that's part of the problem that we have as Christians. We have, we have the darndest time of just giving things to God. We always want to figure out how can we do it ourselves. You know, we run around in circles, we hustle and we bustle, we pick up the phone, who can we call, we, we're typing out emails, we're sending text messages when we need help, you know, and, and, and we're trying to fix it ourselves. God is telling us it's time to rest, all right? To cease, to cease from our own labors, all right? Okay, okay. God is giving it, giving this to us, to us from from our reason for a reason. He he is. It's like he's giving us an invitation, amen. To come back to Eden, come back to Eden. Come back to the place of paradise. Come back to the place where you walked and talked with me. Come back to the place where, where, where everything I just gave to you and everything was in God's control. And all I did was, all I did was to give you a command to dress and to keep it. Amen. God is saying, come back to Eden. God is inviting you to come back and rest for a season that to come back and, and leave behind the chaos of the world. Okay. 
Adam and Eve left perfection, they left perfect rest, and because of their sin, they were thrust into the chaos of the world. But they had to toil for themselves, and we know that there are many generations after that what, what went on. But they would have had a wonderful, peaceful existence. Amen? So God is inviting us to come back, to, to be free from the labors and the deceit of this world, and to stop being immersed in in, in, in the efforts, the futile efforts of mankind to bring about what man perceives as perfect peace. Only God can bring about perfect peace. Okay? okay. We, we need to stop focusing on the chaos that is out there and get back in line, get ourselves back in line with the rest of God. To get under his covering, we can give us true peace. Okay? In Genesis 12, verse number 7, God promises the land of Canaan to Abraham and his descendants, a promise that was repeated several times. In Exodus 3, 8, God tells Moses that he is going to bring Israel out of Egypt and into Canaan, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. But the generation that came out of Egypt failed, failed, failed to enter into this promised land because of what? Because of their disobedience and their lack of faith. That's what kept them out. They repeatedly sinned. They repeatedly sinned. They didn't have faith in God to, 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 to bring them through all of the tribulations that they were going through. Right? That's what kept them out of the promised land. So you see, what do you see there? You see that disobedience and lack of faith can prevent us in modern day time, the 21st century, from entering into our promised land. Right? We can't enter into our, you've heard me say many times that each one of us has a promised land. Amen. And that promised land can change from season to season. It can depend on what it is that you're praying for, what God has in store for, me, for you. It is some uh, point or event in time that you have not yet achieved that you have to get through. Okay, get to, you know. And, and, and during that process of us getting to the to our own individual promised lands, there are various uh, wilderness adventures that we wind up going through. These wilderness adventures are the things that, that, that fall upon us in the forms of trials and tribulations and challenges. You know, the boss, your neighbor, your, your, your in-laws, you know, your relative, whatever it is that's going on in your life that is bringing you such grief. You know, these are the wildernesses that we go, wildernesses that we go through in order to get to our promised lands. And again, those promised lands can change from time to time. One promised land could be you, gee whiz, for you, for you, to the youngsters that may be listening to this, to you, oh my gosh, let me just graduate high school. That could be a promised land that you're really struggling to get to. Then after that, there could be a promised land if you're graduating college. Then it could be another promised land if you're getting that first job. Then another promised land could you, for, could be for you really, 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 really praying for that important promotion. These are all promised lands, okay? But if we're praying to God to get us to each one of those key points in our lives, if during those steps, during that process, during that process of us going through our wilderness, if you will, to navigate the things that are out there before us, if we're being disobedient to God and we're lacking faith, then you're not going to see that promised land as what happened to Israel. Okay? Okay? All right? We see that in Deuteronomy 1.35, the Lord swore that none of those that had come out of Egypt other than Caleb and Joshua would see the good, see the good land, the good promised land of their fathers. Okay. You remember the report? They sent the spies up there to spy out the land and God said, this is the place that I'm, that I'm giving you. And of the spies that came back, every single one had a negative or bad report. Okay. They are giants in the land. They see us as grasshoppers. They came back. They forgot about the fact that God had told them that this is what I'm going to give to you. 
Right. But they forgot all about that. Only Joshua and Caleb were the only two that came back with any, any 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 gusto that said, we can take this land. God said that we have it. We've God's given it to us already. Let us go forth and conquer and take it. The others all came back knocking knees and, and, and shaking. And went, oh, gosh, they see us as grasshoppers, you know. That was their perception of themselves, by the way. That's a whole separate scripture, you know, to get into it. But they came back with the report, they see us as grasshoppers. That's what they were thinking of themselves. Matter of fact, what do you think of yourself? Amen. When you're in these trials and tribulations, are you viewing yourself as just being totally incapable? You are not strong enough to to uh, to to stand up and and overcome your circumstances, or are you viewing yourself as a grasshopper? Amen. Amen. Disobedience and and, and lack of faith kept Israel out of the promised land. Amen. Amen. We see in Psalm ninety-five, uh, verse ten to eleven, where God says, "They shall never enter into my rest." So God said, they shall never enter to my rest. And you know, in the promised land, it represented God's rest, a return to the garden, if you will. Okay? A land flowing with milk and honey, free from the slavery that they experienced in Egypt and free from the oppression that they had experienced in Egypt. Amen? So this was going to be their promised land. It was going to be their place of rest. It was going to be a quote-unquote return to the garden, if you will. Amen? They had nothing to worry about. A land flowing with milk and honey. But they failed to enter in for the same reason, I say again, that Adam and Eve, for the same reason that Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, for disobedience. Right? You know the events as depicted in the Bible, okay? God told them, you shall not eat of that tree. Lucifer came, Satan came along and twisted their minds, oh, you shall not surely die, making them doubt what God was saying. All right? God told them, don't eat. Simple, plain, to the point. But what did they do? They sat there and they reasoned of themselves and listened to the devil and they ate and got themselves expelled. Okay? They failed to enter. Israel failed to enter for the same reason that Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden because of disobedience. Okay? And lack of faith. So again, that's something that we have to think about. Where do we stand in terms of obedience to God and having faith that God is going to be able to do in our lives what it is that we're praying and hoping that he'll be able to do? Amen. Amen. So, how can we enter into God's rest? Well, that brings us back to the passage in Hebrews up there. If we go to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 3, Hebrews chapter 3, praise the living God, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews uh, chapter 3 and verse number 7. Hebrews 3, verse number 7. Amen? Okay, you there? Hebrews 3, verse number 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost uh, saith, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. They shall not enter into my rest, okay? So God is warning them against falling away. God is warning us about, fall, about falling away. The apostasy of the church, the scripture calls it. And we see that today. We see there's a great falling away, okay? We see that because of COVID-19, many have just chosen because of the fact that churches were indeed shut down and depending on what stage you're living in, whether or not you can get back to live in-person, in-person worship is a challenging thing. 
But many, because of that, have just seized on the opportunity not to go to church and not even bother to find an online sermon. Okay, and if their churches are doing online sermons by still going to church. Amen, 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 amen. You should be setting that time. Like I said, way early on when I first started doing these messages after COVID started, is that you should set a time on Sunday, the time that you normally go to church and grab this message or wherever you're going to get a message from, you know, and, and, and at the same time that you go to church and sit down at that time, grab your Bible and sit down and go to church in your house or wherever you may be and listen to that message, okay? Because otherwise there's going to be the great falling up, falling away. If things do get back to normal, okay, the way they normally were, how many people, just ask yourself, how many people will go back to physically going to church? Even though the word of God says, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves, but how many will return to that? Amen. Amen. So, so, so we see here, not, not to, to, to get off too much here. It says, so he's warning them, do not, do not, do not fall away. And he says here, uh, verse number 11, so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter into my, to my, uh, to my rest. All right. If we go to Psalm 95, let's go to the book of Psalms. Praise the living God. Psalm 95. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 95. And we want to go to verse number 11. I'm sorry, verse number 6. Psalm 95, verse number 6. We see, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. Harden not your heart, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. So again, we see here the warning about hardening the heart, okay? And repeatedly trying and testing God, you know? The day of provocation is a, is a, is a phrase that you see throughout Old Testament, or well, not throughout, but in many places in, all, in the Old Testament, because these were the days that, that Israel provoked God. God kept showing what a wondrous God he is and what would they do? They kept sinning and backsliding and then they would get scared and they repent and ask God to forgive them and then they sin and backslide and do the whole thing again. So God is saying today, second time he said, God is saying here, here uh, today, okay? It's verse number seven, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, okay? Second time we read that just now during this message. So I submit to you, we keep saying this, we keep, we keep seeing this word today. Maybe today is the day that you need to think about where you are. Maybe the Holy Spirit is touching you and reaching out and touching you right now as I stand here and saying unto you, today is the time you have to make some self-evaluation. Where are you going? Where is it that you want to go? You've been praying to me. You've been wrestling with this situation all of this time. And you're, you're reaching out. You're crying out to me. You're, you're, you're losing sleep at nights. Okay. You're worrying about how things are going to work out. Well, maybe today is the time that you have to do some self-evaluation in terms of where you stand and where it is that you're, that you're going to go. All right. So it says that Israel repeatedly tested him. They, and yet they, they would never enter into his rest. Praise God. He wrote, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, chapter 4, and starting with verse number 1. Praise God. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. 
But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So to pause there for a minute, in other words, what this is saying is that unto us was also the gospel preached, and the same gospel that was preached to them about resting in God and having faith in God and trusting him and not being disobedient. But it says here that it did not profit them. Okay. In other words, they did not benefit from the words that were being preached. Amen. And the reason that they did not benefit them was because of the fact that they did not have faith and they were disobedient. It continues here in verse number three. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works which were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, or on this way. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. As we said before, on the seventh day, God rested from, from his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. You see, repeatedly the word of God is saying that they did not enter into God's rest because of, in, of unbelief. Verse 7, again, again, he limited a certain day, saying to David, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. You are a child of God. Amen. Amen. We collectively are children of God. So therefore this, main, this means that there is a rest that is available for us. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Please underline that in your Bible if you don't already have it underlined. Verse number 10. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Okay? So in these scriptures, what God is saying here is that the promise of entering into God's rest still exists today. It still stands for you and I. Okay? It wasn't done with just because Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. It wasn't done with because of all of the unbelief and our, um, backsliding that Israel did in the time of being in the wilderness in the days of provocation. Amen. But the, the God's rest still is there for us. Okay. The generation leaving Egypt, they failed to enter as we've been discussing. And even though Joshua took them into Canaan, they failed to enter into God's rest. And that's in Hebrews verse 78. Won't go there right now, but the word of God says that they failed to enter in. Okay. So there are still those who enter in to God's rest. We see that in verse number six, Hebrews six, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So who will enter into that rest? Who will enter in? The book of Hebrews states clearly that those who believe will enter God's rest. We see that in Hebrews 4.3, and it's the people of God, Hebrews 4.9.
Amen. So those that, that believe are those who enter into God's rest. Okay. So again, the bottom line, this is a time here for all of us to do a little introspection here, some reflection on how much do we really believe what God is telling us. Amen. If we want to get away from the everyday turmoil, the hustle and bustle of what is, what is going on today in, the, in, the, in our lives and, and in those that are around us, we need to stop working and trying to do so much ourselves. Amen. We have to make sure that we have faith in that God. When God says that he can take care of you and God says that he will bring you to your particular promised land, have some faith that God will indeed get you there. And as he gives you direction, then you make sure that you follow that direction and do, do, do precisely what he says. No more, no less. You know, many times we even when we uh, sometimes when we decide that we're going to stop doing it ourselves and we're going to give it to God and let God manage our lives. What is it that we oftentimes wind up doing? I mean, what is it that we wind up doing? We try to help God. Okay, even though we're saying that I'm going to give it to God, we still jump in there and try to help, try to help God. You know, look at Abraham and uh, and Sarah. They're okay, God told Abraham that you would have you would have a, a child. You know, you know, from your loins, not from anyone else. But Sarah decided that, or Sarai at the time decided that she was it would help God. And what did she do? She gave her handmaiden, gave her handmaiden Hagar to 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 our Abraham. You know, said have the baby by by my by my uh, handmaiden here. Okay, so she thought she could help God along. And what what is the bottom line there? She did not really believe that it was possible for them to have a baby at their extended age. Amen. So she she tried to help God. Okay, and we know the result of her putting her hands in the thing there and, and helping God. Okay, because as a result of the union between Abram uh, Abraham and and Hagar, uh, uh, Ishmael was born. Okay, Ishmael was born. And God did say, though, I have to bless him because he is, he is the fruit of your loin. He said, but he is not the one. Okay. Isaac was the, was the one that God had chosen to be, uh, uh Abraham's, uh, uh, descendant to take, to take Israel where he wanted to take him. Okay. We know what happened as a result of Ishmael. Okay. We had all of the, you know, Amalekites and all of the other, the other, uh, uh, nations that were born that are still warring to this day. Amen. Amen. So to get back to the subject, not to stray too far, because that is another sermon unto itself. We have to get to the point there that we believe and trust God and are willing to take our hands off and stop trying to manage our lives, stop trying to manage our affairs uh, by ourselves. Okay. All right. God's rest is expressed all through Genesis and promised to Abraham and Israel. And as we said, it is still available to all who will believe and will cease from their own labors, will cease from trying to do it yourself. There, there, there's someone, someone out there named Emily. Someone out there named Emily. And I'm saying to you today, Emily, that God is calling to you to rest in him, to release all of your efforts and what you're trying to accomplish. God heard your prayers. God knows the situation that you're in. Amen. So if you will simply trust God, and stop laboring and trying to do it yourself. He's heard your prayers. He's heard your prayers. And we know that God is on the case. So all you need to do, Emily, is to simply rest in God and trust him. Okay? Rest in God and trust him. He will bring you into your promised land for what you've been praying for. Amen? Amen. So, Emily, I, I, I pray that you're out there and you, you'll heed. And you'll heed this message. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So, so in winding down a bit here, uh, what is God's rest? Again, God's rest 
is not a time of relaxation. It is still a time of activity and work, you know, as going back to, to Genesis day with Adam and Eve, you know, you know, they had God walking with them and talking with them and they were in paradise. Okay. But they had a job to do and that was to, to tend the garden and to keep it. So we have jobs to do, but the difference is that the jobs that we have to do in, in life, the things that we have to do, if we are trusting God and resting in, and, and, and believing him, importantly, believing him, then you will find that in, in, in the midst of your doing what God has called you to do, you will be at rest. And when the things of life and of the world around you try to invade your world, you will know how to, to overcome in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you will remain in God's rest if you stop hustling, trying to do it yourself. God's rest, as I said before, is the state of being. It's the state of existence. You know, it, it's a place where, where God rules and manages his creation. God rules and manages our lives, you know, free from the chaos and the disorder that is brought about in today's world. We can be, we, we can be, be immune from it or, or withdraw from it by resting and trusting in God. God, amen. One last scripture. Let's go to the uh, book of Mark. Let's go to the book of Mark here. Okay. Mark, Mark chapter one, Mark chapter one. And let's just go to verse Number 14. Okay, verse number 14. Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Okay. So again, we're saying we need to believe the gospel in order to make sure that we are, are, are able to enter into God's rest. Okay. And also I say to you that where Jesus is saying in 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished and he gave up the ghost. Jesus did all that was needed to do. And he, and then the time was fulfilled as it says there. Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy that was written in the Old Testament there. Jesus did the work that the Father had called him to do. He went to the cross. Okay. He shed his blood and he gave up the spirit at the time that he was willing to give up the spirit. No man could take Jesus' life. Jesus willingly gave up the spirit. So it, it is fulfilled as he's saying there. Okay, so, so that is saying, and, and it goes on saying, it says, uh, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. That means that God's kingdom at hand means that it's here and available to us right now. The kingdom of God is available to us right now. Okay, so if God's kingdom is available, that means that, that God's kingdom is here and now, okay, and the place of rest is available to us right now. Okay, so this is referring to here as God's kingdom uh, uh, is at hand. You know, now of course this is not referring to God's kingdom as in in heaven, as you know, referring to heaven, but it is God's kingdom as the state of being, the state of existence, where a place of, of spiritual rest can be found. So when Jesus said that God's kingdom is at hand, this means that it means that it is available to you right now for the taking. Okay. It's there right now for the taking. All you have to do is to trust and believe and be obedient to what God is calling us to do. Amen. Amen. And this can only be achieved by having deep faith and trust in God. You know, if this is a time for self-reflection for yourself and some time for, for, for thinking on where you are, you, you know, ask yourself uh, how, how deep is your faith and how much do you really, really, really trust God? Okay. How much do you really, really trust God? 
That's the bottom line. Okay. All right. So in moving forward here, you know, we have to think about also that, that all who will rest from their own work, the work of, of bringing your own life and world under control. Okay. If you consider, con, con, uh, you insist on doing that, then you're not going to be able to enter into God's work, uh, God's rest. Okay. And it actually starts with salvation. If anyone out there, um, hearing this message does not know, know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you need to, first of all, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. And it isn't a long, lengthy prayer that you need to pray either. Simply, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I, I cannot do this by myself. Lord, I confess all of my sins to you, Lord God. I repent of my sinful ways. Amen. I turn from those ways and, and I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life. I believe that you are the living son of the living God. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, come into my life. That's all that is needed. Confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now as we close, uh, just a reminder, spend a little time with God, do some reflection on your own even, thinking about where you are in the Lord and trust him and trust him and trust him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this time that we've, we've had with you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we pray that as we go through the balance of the day and week ahead of us and get together next time, that we shall remember these words and put these words to work and to use in our lives so that we may trust you and be able to enter into your rest. We thank you, Heavenly Father, and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.